welcome. I had to, uh, had to laugh this morning when Pastor Brad uh, said, turn to the one next to you and say, I love you, because, uh, man, you never know what could happen in that moment. Uh, I, heard, I heard a story about one pastor who had had, had everybody hold hands when they were praying to pray, and they all gathered together and held hands, and uh, there was this one young man who was standing next to this one young woman, and they grabbed hands, and there was a spark that took place, and uh, they went, yeah, woo for that, yeah. Somebody, somebody looking for that, or... Uh, so, yeah, they wound up getting married. Uh, that kind of sparked relationship, so there, that can happen. Um, if, if when Brad said, turn to your neighbor and say, I love you, and your wife or husband turned to you and you were looking at the person next to you, that can be trouble, too. So uh, if you did that, you're on your own, man. Uh, good luck with that, but uh, I'm glad you're here today. We're in uh, the second week of a series that we're calling Stop, Start, Stay, and uh, we're talking about three keys to victory that we were intended, we are intended to live our lives if we're in Christ, if we've given our lives to him, then we're intended to live lives of victory and not defeat. And so uh, what we're doing is I'm, I'm giving you these three keys. One thing that if you're, you're doing it, you need to, to stop doing. Uh, another, if you're not doing, you need to start. And then one that you need to stay doing. And so last week we began and we dealt with the stop. And we talked about how that victory begins with uh, us stop believing lies, when we stop believing the lies of the enemy. Um, and the only way we know to uh, stop believing lies is we have to embrace the truth, which is why it is so important that we uh, regularly expose ourselves to the truth of God's word, that we regularly spend time in his word. In fact, anything that is contrary to what the word of God says is a lie, and we need to know that. And if we believe it, if we embrace it, if we agree with it, then that is a surefire way to live in defeat rather than victory. And so if you missed last week, you can go back and you can watch that online. But uh, the first key, that's the first key to victory is to stop believing lies. Number two I want to talk about this morning, and it's simply start going to church. And, and I say that, and I know a bunch of you are going like, um, we're here. And so this isn't for us, you know, we don't need to hear this sermon. Well, if that's you, don't check out, because uh, what I really want to do this morning is I, I really, I, I want to bring some clarity on why it's important to go to church, to attend church, why it's important to do it, why is it important for the body of Christ to gather together. In fact, why is this still, after 2,000 years of Christianity, and by the way, it still is, an essential part of following Jesus, the gathering of us as followers of Christ coming together? Why is that important? And so I, I want this to be really kind of a, a teaching time. And, and so when you, you know, when you invite your, your friends and your family, amen, when you, when you invite your friends, we're going to do that, right? 
We're good. We invite people. So when you invite your friends and your family to come to church with you, uh, and they, you know, if they respond, you know, why? Why do I need to, to go to church? I mean, I watch Elevation Church online, or I listen to Tony Evans, or, or Chuck Swindoll. That's my church. Then, uh, you know, you'll have an answer for them after this morning, hopefully, as to why going is still important. The reality is um, that we are living in unprecedented times. I've, uh, I've been reading a book, I picked it up a couple of weeks ago and I'm just kinda slowly working my way through it, but it's a, it's a book called The Great Dechurching, which is based on a, a recent study that was done by some sociologists centered around the idea of church attendance in America. And uh, the results, just to be honest with you, are somewhat sobering. And I don't, I don't, I don't know that they would surprise a lot of us, but uh, when you think back, and some of, some of you can do that, some of you can't think back this far, but if you think back to the 1950s, um, researchers tell us that 50% of Americans reported to going to church on a weekly basis. Uh, in the 70s, when I was a kid, even uh, after, you know, the, the hippie movement and the drug culture and the free love that all took place in the 1960s, still 40% of Americans reported attending church on a weekly basis. Uh, when I was a kid, uh, and, and you know you're really old when you start a sentence with that, I just, that just hit me, Brian. <laughs> I've just really dated myself, but, but when I was a kid, and some of you grew up like, like I did, uh, we didn't just go to church weekly. I mean, man, we went Sunday mornings, Sunday nights, Wednesday nights, and, and that was, you know, when there wasn't revivals or camp meetings that were taking place for seven days, 10 days, whatever, and, and we went all of those times. I mean, we just went all the time, but, but something has happened over the past 25 years. In fact, what has happened has been called the fastest and the most significant spiritual shift that has ever taken place in American history. Prior to this shift that's taken place in the past 25 years, prior to this, the most significant spiritual shift in America up to that point actually took place in the 25 years after the Civil War. When, when during this 25 years, people were looking for hope and they were looking for something that um, there was this huge surge of people who either began going to church or returned to church. And so there was this massive spiritual shift that took place of people moving toward the church. That was the biggest spiritual shift until what's happening now over the past 25 years, which is many times greater than that, but unfortunately, it's in the opposite direction. Research has shown that uh, over the past 25 years, somewhere around 40 million people have stopped going to church. In other words, those who used to attend once a month, which is what regular church attendance has become, people who go 12 times per year, that's regular, now of that group of people, now uh, 40 million of them attend less than once per year. 
Now, in, in terms of numbers, we need to understand how significant this is because this is more than the total amount of people who were saved during the first Great Awakening combined with the second Great Awakening combined with the total number of people who ever attended a Billy Graham crusade. We're talking about more people than all of those combined. So, so now, the latest surveys show, we went from the 50s, 50% who attended once a week, show now that less than 20% of Americans attend church at least once per month. So, so what that means, we can't miss the significance of this. What that means is that the overwhelming majority of people, 80%, see absolutely no value in gathering together like we'll gathered here today and being a part of what you've chosen to be a part of today. And, and there are a number of reasons for that, and there's lots of them that are cited. One of the big ones that a lot of experts point to is just over the past 25 years, the development of technology, which is a wonderful thing, all the technology that has been developed. But because of, of technology, specifically the internet, we now have an abundance of access to all kinds of options rather than going. Instead of going, we can now uh, sit in the comfort of our own homes and we can watch instead of go on the internet. And, and, and we're thankful for technology. In fact, uh, one of the things that here at Connecting Point we've intentionally done is we have intentionally chosen to live stream our, our services. And we're grateful for those who are able to join us via live stream. Um, we, we know that that is a great help for those who, when you're sick and you can't come, or when you're traveling and you sit down with your family, or there are some who, who join us from other places that can't make it to Lincoln. And so we're, we're thankful, and that's a great great option. When you're unable to come, you can still watch. Um, and and, and I'm, I'm grateful personally that technology has opened the door to where now we can be exposed to a myriad of incredible teachers and preachers that we would never have access to, to probably see them or listen to them in person. In fact, I have a number of preachers that I listen to frequently and I learn from and I'm thankful for that. And, and we want you to do that. And so don't stop watching. If you can't come, by all means, watch. But again, this morning, it's really what I, this is really intended to deal with this question that has begun to come up more and more frequently, and that is, why do I need to go in person to church? I mean, why can't I sit home and watch, what's the difference? Well, I, I, wanna, I wanna give you three reasons this morning. I'm sure that you all are shocked that I have three. I mean, every good pastor, every good sermon has three points, right? And so I'm gonna give you uh, three reasons this morning. In fact, um, that reminds me of a story. I heard a story about this guy who one Sunday morning woke up and he looked at his wife and he said, I'm not going to church today and I'm gonna give you three reasons why. <laughs> he said, number one, I don't like the building. I don't like going in that building, never like going in that building. I just don't like the building, so I, I, I'm not going. Number two, I don't like the people in the building. 
I mean, they, they look at me and, and, and they, they judge me. And, and three is they don't like me. I can tell that they don't like me. And so I don't like the building. I don't like the people. And the people don't like me. And so I'm not going. And so his wife looked at him. And like every good woman has to do every once in a while, she says, uh, listen, buddy, you are going. And uh, let me give you three reasons why you are going. Number one, I got up this morning and I'm going. Number two, the kids got up and they're going. And number three, you're the pastor and you have to go. <laughs> so you don't have a choice in the matter. So every, you know, three reasons. Yeah, I needed you, Dane. But boom, boom. So, but, but I'll be here all week. I mean, just anytime you want to come back, I'll, I'll tell you a story. But what happens when the pastor shows up and the people don't show up? Let me, let me just give you three reasons why it's still important to go to church. Number one, the first and most important reason that we go to church is to encounter the presence of God. That's why we come. Yeah, we can feel free to clap for God anytime you want. The, the number one reason we gather like this, we sang about it, very first song, is to encounter the Waymaker. <laughs> We, we, we come to encounter the living, breathing presence of God. Now, I understand, and I hope you do too, that God is everywhere. In fact, theologically speaking, we call this the omnipresence of God, that God is everywhere. So there's the omnipresence of God. There's also what is known the inner presence of God, that because the Holy Spirit dwells within us, there is his inner, I-N-N-E-R, presence that is always with us. But there is also what is known as the manifest presence of God. The, the manifest, it's the, the made known presence of God. The, the manifest presence of God is when God shows up and he comes and he reveals himself in a special or a powerful way. Which, which by the way, in case you didn't know, the manifest presence of God, God showing up and revealing himself is what is intended to happen every single time that we gather in a space like this. That we just expect, whenever God's people come together, we expect for the manifest presence of God to show up. Whenever we gather together, especially, this is why worship is so important. That there's something about our worship that is like, Scripture says that it's like a fragrant offering to God. In other words, whenever we gather together, we don't just gather together, you know, to hang out. We don't just, and by the way, we don't, we don't worship just as a preamble to the pastor's message. We don't sing songs just because we kind of like music. It, 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 it's not for us. What we do is whenever we gather together in a place like this and we sing and we worship, we are actually inviting or invoking the presence of God to come and join us. See, Scripture says that God inhabits the praises of his people. See, it's more than singing songs. It's about, it's about offering God his we, we, we talk about that he is worthy, that it's offering God his due. It's expressing his worth to us. And when we do that, his presence actually shows up. And oftentimes, 
God makes himself known in some of the most powerful ways when we're together. In ways that maybe we, we can't experience in any other way. Let, let me show you a couple of ex- examples of this from, from Scripture. This, this manifest presence of God that shows up when God's people get together. God told the children of Israel to make a, a tabernacle on earth. When they were, had been delivered from Egypt, they're out in the middle of the desert, and God tells them, I want you to make a tabernacle on earth, which was to be a meeting place where God could come and he could meet with his people. And, and by the way, in Hebrews chapter eight, it says that this tabernacle that Moses constructed for God to come meet with his people, it was to be a shadow or a reflection of what was in heaven. In other words, it was to be a pattern of what heaven is like. And so I want you to look at what God says in Exodus chapter 25, verse 8. He says, and let them, that's the people, make me, God, a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. Jump down to verse 22. He says, and there, in this sanctuary, he says, there I will meet with you. And I will speak with you. See, God promises to do something whenever we come together. This is his promise. I will meet with you and I will speak with you. Woo. That's good. Jesus confirms this. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 20, this is a very famous passage of scripture. Jesus says that where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am what? There, in the midst of them. Guys, this is a guarantee, this is a promise. How many know that God is not a liar? And so when he makes a promise, he'll do it. He said this is a guarantee, that whenever we gather together, something happens. The presence of God shows up. I'm sure many of you can remember specific worship services when you, when you just tangibly sense the presence of God in such a way that you, you'd never experienced it in any other way. In fact, just out of curiosity, how many here encountered God and were saved, gave your life to Jesus in a church service? How many? Good number of people, yeah. It doesn't happen if we don't gather together. I mean, half of us wouldn't even be here if the church didn't gather together. See, when the whole body is gathered together and when we're worshiping God, his presence shows up. And whenever his presence shows up, there is something that happens. His presence is there to convict us. His presence is there to save us. His presence is there to deliver us, to heal us, to encourage us, to strengthen us. So so God tells his people, I want you to build this place where I can meet with you. If you read the story, the people continue to disobey God. They build this place, but then they don't obey God. They, They continue in sin and disobedience. And so they're traveling around out in the wilderness. And God says to Moses, he says, listen, I am sick and tired of these rebellious people. I'm not going to deal with these rebellious people anymore. And so he tells Moses, when you go into the promised land, 
I am not going to go with you. God says, I'm gonna, what I'm going to do instead, I'm going to send an angel to go with you, but I am not going with you. And I love what Moses says. He, Moses is like, Lord, if your presence, if your presence doesn't go with us, then I don't want to go. In other words, he said, I don't want to be any place where your presence is not. If your presence isn't with you, I don't want to go. And then he makes this incredible statement. He says, if your presence doesn't go with us, then how will we be any different from any other people in the world? See, it's his presence that makes us different. It's, his, it's only the presence of God that makes the church different from any other organization in the world, any other gathering of people or any other meeting in the world. The, the entire reason we're different is because when we gather together, God himself shows up and meets with us. Every time we meet together, God's presence is here. And make no mistake about it, we need his presence. If all we do is we just, you know, we, we, we gather together once a week or come once a month and, you know, we sing a few songs that we happen to like and we, we listen to somebody uh, tell some hilarious jokes for a few minutes and <laughs> get up and, you know, talk about how to have a better life. But God doesn't show up. Then we haven't done anything different than any other gathering of people. It's not different than any other meeting. Might, might as well, you know, just go be a part of the Lions Club or something like that. But by the way, you know the difference between the church and the Lions Club? Is at church we actually expect the lion to show up. That's the only difference, is we actually expect for the presence of God to show up because it's the only thing that makes us different. It's the presence of God. I had two separate conversations this past week with two different individuals, and both of them said the same thing. So during the course of our conversation, each of them said something like this. They said, Pastor, I just love our church. There's just something special about it. And then they said this, and they clarified, this is what's special about it, is they said, every service, I can just feel the presence of God. I can just feel the presence of God. Who wouldn't want to experience that? This is why it's important to be here. It's his presence. In his presence is fullness of joy. Anybody need some joy in their life? Get in his presence, man. In his presence is fullness of joy. In his presence is healing. In his presence is deliverance. In his presence is forgiveness. In his presence is power. In his presence is victory. We need to go to church because God's presence is here. Second, reason we need to come to church is because we want to experience his power. I, I, thought, I thought that would come off a little better than that did. 
We come to church because we want to experience his power. You you see, um, we read in Matthew, we we read this just a moment ago in Matthew chapter 18, verse 20. It says, where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there in the midst. I want you to look at the verse that is directly preceding that one. In, In verse 19, Jesus says, again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. After he says that, then he says for, which this word for is a word that really means because. In other words, what he's saying is this is, this is why what you agree upon will be done. He says, because two or three of you are gathered in my name and I am there in the midst of you. A lot of people never connect these two. The the reason that what we ask is done is because his presence is with us. And his presence is with us because we've chosen to gather together in his name. And when his presence is there, guess what? His power is there too. If his presence is there, then his power is there. So, So many people, they want and they need the power of God in their life. But they don't gather with other people in the place where the presence and the power are. I, I shared this a couple months ago, but here at Connecting Point, we have uh, 766 people on our responsibility list. So 766 people who have uh, attended Connecting Point and taken time to fill out a Connect card. And, and out of those 766, we have somewhere around 350 that we would consider active. So in other words, 350 people consider Connecting Point to be their church. 350 people, we, they, they either they give or, or they check their kids in to kids' church. They attend on a somewhat regular basis. And so 350. Now, our average Sunday morning attendance is somewhere around 175. Pretty much half. And so I want you to think about what that means. I'm not even saying that you have to be here four times a month. I understand that, you know, we have, we, we live from the time that I was a kid till now, we are a much more mobile culture. We, we go places and we have access to things. And so people travel way more than they used to. I understand that, you know, kids events have just kind of like taken over the world. I get all of that. But what I am saying is this, is that we have to be very careful. We, we have to be very intentional about not allowing church, the place where we encounter the manifest presence and the power of God, we have to be very careful and intentional not to allow that to simply become another of the many things that we do. We have to intentionally decide that we are going to make this a priority, that we're gonna, we're gonna make it a priority for, for our family. We are regularly going to gather together with the people of God. See, part of what, what committing yourself to Christ means is that we actually make him and his body 
a priority in our life and in the life of our family. We, we wonder sometimes why we struggle and we, we feel defeated. We have no power. This may be a reason for that. Not the only reason, but it may be a reason why. And, and, and listen, let me, let me, let me clarify. We're not, we're not talking about attendance for attendance sake. In other words, we're not talking about here, okay, I've got my, uh, my, my religious list of things to do, and so i got to check this one off. These are the things that I do this week, and so I've checked off my religious duties. We're not talking about that. We're, we're not talking about attendance for the sake, you know, that, that, that I'm, I'm sharing this with you because I have this ulterior motive that somehow I just want to have a large attendance so I can walk around and say, hey, look how many people attend Connecting Point. That's not what this is about. What, what this is about is it's about what happens when we come together. God's power is multiplied when we come together. I, I heard a pastor sharing here not long ago about a couple who they were struggling in their marriage and they had come to him for counseling and he'd met with them for several, several times and they had talked together and prayed together and finally he just said to him, he said, listen, I, I think that I have done all that I can do. And really, we don't need to meet together anymore. They were a little discouraged when they heard him say that. But he said, listen, here's what I want you to do. Keep showing up. Keep, keep seeking God. Keep worshiping. And I promise you that if you do that, God will do what I cannot do for you. He, he said that they, they took his advice. They did it. And they kept showing up. And, and, and he said it was just a few weeks after he had that conversation. He looked out. They were in a time of worship. And this was, the pastor was up on the platform during the time of worship. And he looked out and he saw this couple, both of them, hands up in the air, worshiping. And he said, as I watched them, all of a sudden, he said, the husband took his right hand down and he grabbed and put his arm around his, his wife. She put her left hand down and put her arm around her husband. And he said, they stood there for a few moments and all of a sudden, they turned to each other. He leaned over. He whispered something in her ear. She whispered something in his ear. They gave each other a big hug. They turned back. And again, they stood there, him with his left hand up in the air, holding her hand, her with her right hand up in the air, holding his hand. And he said, God did something in that moment and he supernaturally healed their marriage. See, there's, there's some problems to steal Maverick City lyrics that only God can fix. But we have to participate with him in, in his fixing. We have to partner with him. And so we show up. In, in Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 30, it says that, that, that one... Can, can chase a 1,000, but two can put 10,000 to flight. See, it's the exponential power of God that is displayed when his people gather together. I, I don't know why it is, but people sometimes have difficulty committing themselves to a church. I, I heard one pastor say that uh, people are like either butterflies or bullfrogs. 
He said butterflies, you know, they just kind of flit around. They go to place, to place, to place, church, to church, to church. Just never land very long at one place. He, he said, and then bullfrogs, they come in and they sit on your lily pad until somebody tries to touch them. Until, you know, somebody tries to build a relationship with them, tries to invite them into deeper involvement, and then they, they, they hop off somewhere else. I, I, I think there are other people who view churches kind of like restaurants. You know, what am, I, what am I in the mood for this week? This week, you know, Connecting Point has something that I like, and so I think I'm going to go there. Or, or, or next week, Christ Place has something on the menu, and so I'm going to go there. The next week, Berean uh, is serving this, and so I'm going to go there. You know, it just kind of depends. What am I in the mood for? What am I hungry for this week? And, and they never belong anywhere. They just kind of take the best from everyone. The, the, the problem with that is, first of all, when you develop that attitude, you have made church all about you. How can I be served? And you're completely missing what God designed church to be. Church, church is a place to be planted. I want you to look at what the psalmist writes in Psalm 92, verses 13 and 14. He says, those who are planted, where? Where? in the house of the Lord. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord, planted, not just, not just attend once in a while, but they're planted, shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall bear fruit in old age. Praise God for that since I'm getting old. Still hope. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. So what happens when you're planted? You bear fruit. Your, your relationship with God stays fresh and you flourish. But that promise is only for those who are planted. So it's important because of God's presence. It's important because of God's power. Number three, it's important because it's a place where we get to engage with God's people. God's people. Now, now, you might be thinking, you know, if I've got God's presence and I've got God's power, then why in the world do I need God's people? I'm glad you asked. Let me tell you why. <laughs> I planned on telling you whether you asked or not. So the reason why is because God has chosen to work through people. In other words, the way we experience his presence the way we experience his power is through his people. And whether you realize it or not, you need other people. I mean, I've heard some people say, you know, all I need is God. Just God, just me and Jesus. That Jesus is all I need. Listen, if you've ever been tempted to think, let me make this very clear. That thinking is 100% unbiblical. Nowhere will you find that in Scripture. It's completely unbiblical. It's not the way that God designed for us to live from the beginning. He designed, from the very beginning, God created us to need other people, to be in relationship with other people. In Genesis 2, 
Out, out of all of the things that God created, at the end of every day, he, he, he said that it is all good. Every day, God creates the heavens and the earth and the skies and the animals. And at the end of every day, God comments on his own creation and he says, it is good. Except for one thing, when he creates man, at the end of that day, God says when he creates man, he says, you know what? It's not good for man to be alone. Everything else was good. He creates Adam by himself, and he says it's not good for man to be alone, and so he creates someone for Adam to be in relationship with. Listen, if just you and me, Jesus, just you and me, God, is all that he wanted, he never would have created Eve. I don't think we fully understand how incredible it is that we are called the people, plural, of God. Not the person of God. We are called the people of God. This is something that is maybe more difficult for us to understand, but the Jewish people had a great understanding and still have a great understanding of this. But what we have to understand is we have been grafted in to the people of God. This is what Peter is talking about in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 10. He writes these words. He says, for you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. He said you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Mercy is directly connected to being the people of God. Peter, Peter what he's doing here, he's actually quoting the prophet Hosea here. In fact, in Romans chapter nine, uh, Paul does the exact same thing. Paul writes this. He says, uh, as he also says in Hosea, I will call those who were not my people, my people. See, see, God's design, his desire is for us to be connected as a people to each other. We need other people. Jesus says, he, he, one time when uh, some people came to him and they said, Jesus, what, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus looks at him and he says, well, obviously, you know, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But then he says, but the second is just like it. In the original Greek, the word that he uses here that we translate as just like it is actually equal to. In other words, what Jesus is saying here is that number one, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, but equal to that is love your neighbor as yourself. And then he makes this incredible statement. He says, upon these two commandments, love God, love people, hang the entire law and all of the prophets. In other words, what Jesus is saying here is everything that's written in the Bible Every prophecy that has ever been uttered, all of that is centered upon just love God and love people. Just love God and love people. Or you could say, say have a relationship with God and have relationship with people. You need both. In fact, I would say that those two things, you can't even separate them. I, I don't believe that you can really love God without loving people. I believe that our love for God is expressed in many ways in the way that we love people. And you can't love people without really loving God. I mean, you really can't do it in the way we're designed to do without loving God first. And those, so so those, those two are inseparable. 
And so why, why though do we need God's people? Why do we need to gather together with God's people? Let me, let me just give you a couple of verses. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. In verse 26, Paul is, is, is writing to the Corinthian church and he's correcting some things that they had been struggling with. And so in, in this letter, he writes to them to teach them. He's saying, okay, so this is the correct way to live. This is the way that God desires for you to live. And in verse, or chapter 14, verse 26, he says this. He says, how is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, whenever you gather together as a people, he says, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. And then he says, let all things or all these things, but let all things be done for edification. Edification is a word that means uh, building others up. So, so what he's saying here is that apparently the way that we get built up is through somebody else's psalm. The way that we get built up is through somebody else's teaching. The way that we get built up is through somebody else's revelation. See, see what Paul is, is saying through Paul, is, or what God, Jesus or God is saying through Paul is, he's saying is, he's saying, I have designed you to live in relationship with each other. And so because of that, what I'm going to do is, the way I'm going to work is I'm going to work through other people to give you what you need. Uh, you're going to have to come together to get it. I'm going to give others what you need so that they can give it to you and you guys can depend upon each other. That's the way God designed us. He doesn't want just you and me, Jesus. He created us to live in the context of community. That Listen. This is why we're called a congregation. To congregate means to gather together, to come together. And when we come together, it is supposed to be for mutual edification, for building each other up. Jump back into the Old Testament. Two more reasons. So edification, two more reasons why we need to congregate with God's people. Numbers chapter 10. God, God tells Moses... In Numbers chapter 10, I want you to create what he calls the signal trumpets. Anybody ever heard of the signal trumpets before? Good, good. And I can tell you what they are, all right? And go back and look and see if I'm telling you what's right, because I could just tell you anything I wanted to tell you since you don't know what they are. But no, this is what they are. I'm going to show you a passage of Scripture, but I want you to see what these are for. Look at Numbers chapter 10, verses 1 and 2. It says, and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, make two silver trumpets for yourself. You shall make them of hammered work and you shall use them for the calling of the congregation and for directing the movement of the camp. Jump down to verse nine. He says, and when you go to war in your land against the enemy who oppresses you. Anybody ever have an enemy that oppresses you? He says, whenever you have this enemy, you go to war against this enemy who oppresses you, here's what you should do. Sound an alarm with the trumpets and you will be remembered before the Lord your God and you will be saved from your enemies. 
He's talking about the, they blow the trumpet and the congregation would come together. So why is it important for the congregation to come together? Paul says for edification. Number says for direction. When you call them together, they will receive direction from the Lord and for protection. That when the enemy oppresses them, the Lord will intervene and they will be saved. Why is it, why is it important that we come together as a church? Number one, we need to be edified. We need to be built up. All week, there are people, there are situations that are trying to tear us down. This is a place where you can get built back up. You you need direction for your life. And God will provide direction. He's promised to do that as he speaks through other people. You need protection from the enemy that's found in the context of community. In the Bible, it talks about that we are sheep, right? And so you know the way sheep are protected? They get in a group, and and if you've ever watched sheep, whenever danger comes or something like that, they get in a group, and they're out on the fringe, and the ones out on the fringe will be like working them way in the middle. (laughs) It's important to be in 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 the middle of God's people. You know the people who get picked off? The ones on the edges. The ones who, you know, I go to church once in a while, but it's not really a priority in my life. The one who refuses to fully connect themselves with the body. Listen, we really do need each other. This isn't just, I mean, it's true. We need to gather. We need the gathering of the saints. The Bible also says that we need the assembling of the saints. Did you know there's a difference between gathering and assembly? I mean, they, they, they sound kind of like the same thing, but they're not. Let me, let, me, let me just give you kind of a picture of the difference. I, I want you to imagine with me that I got a, a brand new motorcycle. Yeah. And, and anybody who knows my wife, Laura, will know this is going to take a lot of imagination because she would never let me get a motorcycle. But... But, but, I, but I get this new motorcycle, and I'm so proud of it, and I'm so excited about it, so I invite you over to my house to see my new motorcycle, and I, I take you out in the garage, and I, I'm ready to show it to you, and I'm like, okay, here it is. Uh, the handlebars are over here, and the gas tank is over there, and there are some tires right here, and the shocks are back here, and the seat is over here, and the carburetor and engine, it, it's all over here, and, 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 and all the parts are gathered in the garage, right? See, there's a big difference between being gathered and being assembled. I mean, gathering's important. You gotta, you gotta gather the parts together. You, you, you gotta, in order to be assembled, you gotta get the parts together. But if, if you stop there, if the parts are just simply gathered and they never get assembled, guess what? That motorcycle ain't going anywhere. Till all the parts come together, they're assembled and they work together, you are not going anywhere. And the same is true for the people of God. If we don't gather together and assemble, if we don't determine, you know what, I'm gonna plug in and I'm gonna play my role in the body, 
If we don't do that, guess what? We are not going anywhere either. When they blew the trumpets, what God was calling them to do was to assemble. He said, it's, it's, it's not enough just to have a bunch of us gathered together. I mean, that's a start. But we're missing out if that's all we do. And so I just want you to know that this morning, I'm just blowing the trumpet. I'm blowing the trumpet to come together and to assemble, to, to make the gathering of God's people a priority in our lives and, and, and to make sure that we don't just gather and, and then leave, but we, we, we determine to, to what, what is my role? I'm gonna figure out what my role is in the body and I'm gonna, I'm gonna plug in and I'm gonna be a part of what God is doing through Connecting Point Church. The invitation is there. One last Scripture, and then we're going to pray. Brian, you can come and, and help me. But I want you to look at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. The writer of Hebrews says this. He says, and let us consider how to encourage one another in love and good deeds. And then he says this, not abandoning our own meeting together, as is the habit of some people. But instead, he says, encouraging one another, edifying one another, building one another up. And then he says, doing that, and then all the more. All the more. See, I, I think we need to be gathering together. We need to be assembling together more not less. We, we need more encouragement. We need more direction. We need, in these days, we need more protection. We need it all the more. Why? Because you see the day is drawing near. My, my prayer is that we as a church would have a, a sense of purpose and a sense of urgency when it comes to gathering together is that, you know, it, it, it's, it's kind of like, it's kind of like a, we can be a brick. And in, 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 in an individual brick, there's a, there's a certain amount of, of beauty and value and strength in just a brick. And I'm afraid there's, there's a lot of churches who have just a lot of bricks. There's a big difference between a pile of bricks and when a master builder takes those bricks and he puts them together and he creates a house. See, see the difference between a pile of bricks and a house is that a house is a place of dwelling. A house is a place of meeting. A house is a place where you can meet with someone and host them and you can have dialogue. A house is a place of warmth. And there's a huge difference. I mean, again, an individual brick may have a certain amount of, of value. It may have a, a certain amount of beauty. It may have a certain amount of strength. But I'll tell you what, when all of the bricks are put together in proper relation to each other, the value, the beauty, the power 
is exponential. And I believe that that's what God intends for us. So I want to invite you to stand with me this morning. Father, my prayer this morning for us as a church is that you would help us to truly be the people. Not, not just a bunch of individual persons, but you would truly help us to be the people of God so that we could be better used by you. Lord, I pray that you would help us to continually be drawn to your presence. That there would be an, a hunger. In fact, I, I'm just praying right now that you would create a, a greater hunger in all of us. And I am jumping to the front of the line. I'm saying, begin with me. That you would develop a greater sense of hunger for your presence. I, I, I read in scripture where it talks about running to the sanctuary. I pray that there would be such an excitement that is generated within us that we would just literally want to run into your presence, that we couldn't wait to get into your presence. And then, Lord, in your presence, I pray for an increased measure of your power, that you would not just demonstrate to us, but you would demonstrate through us the incredible power that exists because your Holy Spirit is at work amongst us. I pray for deliverance to take place. I pray for salvation to take place. I pray for healings to take place physically, emotionally, relationally. I, I, I pray for a building up. Lord, I, I just pray that we would have this desire to experience your presence and your power through your people. And so I just say, work through us. Help us. And so Lord, we just, we just love you. And we're thankful that you designed this church, your body. You've called us to this place for such a time as this to be assembled together, to be mobilized, to be used in our neighborhoods, in our community, in our, our, our state, in our nation, in our world. And so we humbly give ourselves to you. We ask that you would go with us as we go throughout our week, that we wouldn't leave your presence here, that we would be carriers of your presence wherever we go, and that we would even have the door opened, even this week, for us to bring somebody with us next week. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.